0: What went wrong for the Connecticut Sun in game two against the Chicago Sky? As we turn the page to September, Connecticut Sun beat reporter at the next Jacqueline LeBlanc joins us to discuss the game twos of the WNBA semifinals. Locked on women's basketball starts now.
1: You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm Natalie Hevron, a features writer and the Atlantic 10 Beat reporter for The Next. Uh, thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day, and remember, Locked On Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On today's show, we're going to discuss the Connecticut Suns game two loss to the Chicago Sky, how the current Sun team compares to teams of the past, and the second semifinal game of the night where the Las Vegas Aces, even their series against the Seattle Storm. Good morning and happy Thursday. Joining me today is our Connecticut Sun beat reporter, Jacqueline LeBlanc. Starting off, what did you see from Connecticut yesterday?
1: So yesterday, the Sun had a huge opportunity to take game two after, you know, kind of surprisingly taking that game one. Um, Kurt Miller's kind of theme for the whole series, I guess, is playing messy and making it messy. That's what they really attributed their game one win to, just playing really hard physical defense and really disrupting what Chicago does so well in their their free-flowing offense, um, and that did not exactly come to fruition yesterday, so... Um, I didn't think the the Sun necessarily played bad defense in the first half. They definitely played really hard and gritty. You could see them hedging. Um, can, uh, Chicago just made some really good shots. They made some really difficult shots. Um, and that's honestly what everyone expected them to do during the pregame. That's all James Wade talked about was that they're going to make shots and that's that's all they need to know. Um, during the post game of after game one, uh, the Chicago players, Azaray and Quigley and even James Wade also said, you know, it was an uncharacteristic shooting night for them. They're going to make their shots. That definitely happened. Um, the Sun didn't necessarily hold up their end of the bargain, and they didn't really have a great offensive game last night, um, especially in that first quarter, which has been such a big focus for them. And the key to that first game was really coming out hot and, and kind of forcing Chicago to play their game. So there really was not a lot of offensive balance. We saw John Cole Jones get involved real early, which was great for the team. Definitely something they needed after, you know, being limited in that first game. Um, but no one else on the team really contributed. Natisha Heidemann was the only other player to end up in double digits. Um, like I said, they let Chicago get into their flow real early, let Chicago get settled and comfortable real early. Um, you know, again, they I don't think the Sun necessarily played bad defense in in the first quarter, but coming out into that third quarter, even though the Sun were making more shots, kind of looks like they might have get, gotten into a rhythm. Um, they were letting Chicago make a lot of easy backdoor cuts, and they really had exploited them on, on defense in that third quarter. Um, just something I wanted to point out is, in my article, I wrote a lot about how the Sun coming out in the first quarter is really important. Um, but looking back at all of their you know regular season losses against the Sky and you know all those really close games... The Sun have always responded in that third quarter. In in every single game, the Sun um, outscored the Sky in, in quarter three, and that just didn't happen tonight. Um, and then I guess my last point is that the Sun, even though they won the rebounding game, they didn't really convert enough of their offensive rebounds for the amount of shots that they missed last night. You know, they missed, I think Kurt Miller said that they missed like 38 shots last night, and... From those 38 missed shots, they were only able to grab seven offensive rebounds, which isn't great for, for a team of this caliber, of this rebounding caliber, um, that only converted to about a 21% offensive rebounding percentage, which is really low for, for the Sun. It's definitely the lowest out of all their meetings against the Sky this year. Um, And just most importantly, I think they only got six second chance points off those seven offensive rebounds. So. When Courtney Williams and Duanna Bonner are not making anything, when the offense isn't really going, they really rely on those second-chance points, and that's something that Chicago was really able to, to stifle them with last night. So, um, yeah. Your
0: story that went out yesterday before the game um, was titled, Did the Connecticut Sun Finally Figure Out the Formula to Beating Chicago? And I think we got our answer yesterday. Um, how do you think the Sun recover as the series goes to Connecticut? You talked about a lot of points that didn't go the way they wanted them to last night. What needs to change um, as they go to play two games in Connecticut? Mm -hmm.
1: The Suns still really want to commit to playing messy basketball. I think, you know, they're really committed to just disrupting Chicago and that's how they're going to be able to win this series It is disrupting Chicago and forcing Chicago to be uncomfortable and kind of play that how they want to play. Um, but the sun's offense needs, needs to pick up. The sun are best when everyone is balanced, even though, you know, they have multiple offensive threats, they have the reigning MVP and John Cole Jones. Um, this offense is the best when multiple people are scoring in digital double digits, when people are sharing the ball when the ball is moving very Quickly and easily, and um, at times, especially in that first quarter, they felt really stagnant, and they felt like they kind of didn't know where where to go with the ball. So um, they definitely need more offensive contribution. Uh, Bree Jones last night missed a lot of uncharacteristic open layups. Alyssa Thomas missed a few open layups. Um, DeWanna Bonner, after scoring 15 in, in game one, although you know that wasn't necessarily the most efficient 15 points, you know she was. 0 for whatever from the field tonight. She only had two points and they were both from free throws. Um, and then on that, the sun only hit 50% of their free throws. I think they were eight of sixteen to to end the game. Um, that is definitely not good for them. You know, it's okay. I think they average around like 70, 80, and it's okay to miss a few, but especially, you know, coming up in crunch time when they actually were able to kind of lower uh lessen that gap in the fourth quarter when the bench was out there, those extra free throws definitely would have kind of seemed to to make a difference there. So they definitely just need a, a more offensive balance, you know, more offensive contribution. Um, whether that's from Dwana Bonner and, and Bree Jones, but especially the backcourt. That's kind of been a focus throughout throughout this series. Courtney Williams has not had a good offensive game all playoffs. So, you know, either she's due for a game or she needs to kind of step up and kind of make better shots. Um, I think the shot selection sometime was rushed and, and poor. Um, but that is definitely going to be the biggest thing is can they disrupt Chicago with their defense and not let Chicago get into rhythm? And, um, you know, who else on this team other than John Paul Jones is, is going to step, on, um, step up on the offensive end?
0: Yeah, and to your point about free throws, I believe they started one for seven on the night. So finishing eight of 16 was actually uh, a significant improvement, uh, especially, I think most of those came in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, with all of those things that went wrong, missed layups, missed free throws, what was the vibe that you got from the players and head coach Kurt Miller post game?
1: Yeah, so John Paul Jones and Natisha Heideman, who were the two leading scorers for the Sun last night, they came out in post game and Um, You know, it was kind of the same every time the Sun, you know, lose a game, lose a close game, whatever it is. um, They take a lot of responsibility for that on their own and their own actions. You know, a lot of it being self-inflicted. They didn't necessarily talk about things being self-inflicted last night, but you could tell that was kind of the vibe. Like they knew they had a big opportunity to, you know, they stole game one if they could possibly steal game two. That would have been huge coming back to Connecticut with two games left um, here. Um, so I think they knew like they had a, they had a real missed opportunity and, you know, it was kind of just not making good shots. Natisha said it in that first quarter, she didn't think they came out with the same energy they have been in the past. And, and again, they felt really stagnant. Um, and, you know, John Paul Jones talked about, you know, how great Candace Parker is and how hard it is to guard her. But, you know, the focus shouldn't just be on making Candace uncomfortable. It, it should be on making everyone up on the floor uncomfortable and disrupted. And, um, you know, as, as far as Kurt, he said, you know, for his opening statement, he said, he told the team after they lost that, you know, whoever's going to win this game, the series is whoever's going to impose their will on the other team, you know, impose their will strong enough to, to make the other team play their own game. And, and Chicago did that last night. And, um, You know, they could definitely feel the frustration of the missing shots, especially in that first quarter where they only shot about 31 percent from the field. Um, You know, I think Kurt kind of alluded to it, how it felt very kind of disappointing and deflating to. To make or to miss shots, especially some some open shots, some easy looks that they had in the first quarter that usually would have gone down. And then um, the next possession on the other end, Chicago goes down and makes a really difficult shot or they make a really difficult three. You know, Candace had that and one from three. Uh, It just seemed like everything was going right for Chicago. And, you know, Connecticut was missing open shots, missing missed opportunities. Um, I think that was a little deflating to them as well from from Kurt's perspective.
0: Coming up next, we'll talk about how this Sun team differs, or maybe not, from seasons past. Um, but first, betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs, and yes, even your women's basketball betting needs. I personally uh, am not uh, but I love that betonline.net offers these options for the WNBA, uh, and it's a very big deal. The Chicago Sky... Um, open up as one-point favorites for Sunday's Game 3 against the Connecticut Sun in Connecticut, and the Las Vegas Aces open up favorites for Game 3 against the Seattle Storm in Seattle. Uh, These were all up the morning after last night's game, which ended just after midnight on the East Coast. Um, And you can also bet on both series with just a couple of clicks, uh, from the WNBA... Uh, to Major League Baseball, the NFL, uh, the NBA and .net has got your, you covered for odds, lines and games. Head to bet online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet online where the game starts. So taking a step back, uh, this was a question posed to me by uh, Jackie. Howell, who covers the New York Liberty, over at The Next. Um, What have you seen as the difference, the 2019 John Quell Jones and Alyssa Thomas playing together and the two playing together now in 2022?
1: Yeah, well, I think the biggest difference is, um, you know, in 2019, during the playoffs Alyssa Thomas was averaging about 37 minutes a game, JJ was averaging about 32. You know, they were they were the top they were the front court. You know, we didn't have a dominant Bree Jones that we have today. Dewana Bonner wasn't in the mix. Um so it was in I guess in 2019, it was an easy decision to keep AT and JJ out on the floor um, whenever you needed them, pretty much at, at all times. That's how they kind of were were super dominant. They have a good chemistry and flow there. Not to say that they don't this year, um, but I think, you know, kind of just the team construction was different. You had Shakina Strickland back then, um, who get, kind of gave you more of a, a consistent floor spacer. You have a Dewana Bonner now, but, you know, sometimes she can be a little bit inconsistent. You know, Shakina was a lot bigger or not a lot bigger, but, you know, she was really consistent from the three. And that's how you kind of could rely on her to to space the floor. Alyssa Thomas, you know, sometimes with this big lineup now, she's playing the three. You know, she can space out to the floor, um, but, you know, she's not necessarily a threat from from deep. So that kind of, uh, you know, personnel wise, I think that makes a big difference. Courtney Williams, of course, you know, she was on both these teams in 2019 and this year Um, in 2019 she was much more of an offensive threat in the playoffs and a huge part of their playoff run where she's been relatively very quiet this, this year. So, um, you know, I think spacing was a little bit better in 2019. The offense was kind of clicking at the right time. Um, Not to say that it's not now, but, you know, I think you could see some of their um, inconsistencies with, you know, just balancing the lineup. Uh, Kurt uh, throughout the season has tried a, a jumbo lineup is kind of what we've called it of, Bonner, Thomas, Bree Jones, and Jonquil Jones, and um, he's come to that a few times during this series specifically, um, but of course it's not as free flowing or um, like like Chicago's offense. So I think personnel is probably the biggest thing, and then kind of balancing the lineup of when you have four really, you know a big difference maker on the court and they all kind of play the same position and they're all kind of, you know, congested in the post. How can you kind of move the offense around and make sure they get all involved instead of kind of um, only one or two people being involved?
0: Yeah, I agree. That was kind of my short answer uh, to Jackie when she posed the question to me. Um, I definitely think that the personnel is a lot different. When I covered the team back in 2019, the bench was a lot less deep. You kind of, you, you really didn't, as you alluded to um, with the minutes played, you didn't take out John Quell Jones and Alyssa Thomas, especially in the playoffs uh, for longer than a, a few minutes, maybe even like 30 seconds at a time. Um, and Sheikina Strickland definitely brings a different spacing uh, than Dewana Bonner. Um You touched on this a little bit, but at times, uh, the front court to me has seemed disjointed at times. Uh, Do you agree and do you think that the Sun can put together these pieces during the series to keep everyone involved, but also get that offense moving?
1: Yeah, so I agree with that overall. You know, it's always difficult to kind of balance, you know, when you have six people worthy of starting or at least, you know, four people worthy of starting for three positions Um, How do you kind of balance that? I've asked Kurt about it throughout the season and he's kind of talked about, especially toward the end of the season, about how kind of making those decisions, you know, can kind of provide a lot of anxiety, you know, like you have to take, you get to put Bree Jones in, but then you have to take John Cole Jones out, you know, and they've played really, really well together. And then Alyssa Thomas does so much from, you know, defending, but also, you know, on the offense, she's so versatile. So it's so hard to take her out Um, and, you know, because the offense has been so balanced, you know, no one has really kind of dominated throughout throughout the season or, or dominated in games, which is not necessarily what they want. Like, you know, J- JJ dominated last night, but no one else contributed. So, you know, it's kind of hard to strike a balance between getting a balanced offense and, and getting everyone involved, but also kind of distributing those minutes and trying to decide who needs to be on the floor and when. Um, as far as how the sun can kind of, get over that. <laughs> I've been thinking about it a lot, and I'm not sure I have a specific answer for that. Um, but a lot of it is, you know, defense and, and their veteran experience, and they're playing a very experienced Chicago Sky team. I, someone said last night that the team averaged like 11 years of veteran experience, which definitely sounds correct with, with Candace and Quigley and, and Bandersloot on this team. Um, but, you know, I think it's also the front court, Disjointment and um, kind of what, how that has kind of showed up on on the offensive end can also kind of be contributed to to the backcourt. Um, you know, spacing at times. D. B. Dewana Bonner is a big part of that that spacing equation. You know, when she's not hitting her shots, that's that's a big problem. When Courtney Williams is not hitting her shots, that's a big problem. So, um, you know, I think the post can get going, and, and oftentimes that's a big part of the game, like game one, when it was that defensive kind of slug fest, that was all pretty much post points. They didn't get anything around the perimeter other than like three, three pointers, I think. Um, so while there are issues between kind of like balancing that, that front court alignment, um, I think, you know, also the backcourt and, and the guards kind of play into that as well with, with meeting a little bit more efficiency, which Kurt has definitely talked about throughout the playoffs.
0: Yeah. Um, you Can you expand on that a little bit um, with getting the front court or the back court uh, more involved, um, especially uh, yesterday when, um, as you mentioned before, John Quill Jones and Nitisha Heineman were the only two players in double figures uh, for the sun.
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, Courtney has been the biggest kind of point there because, you know, she probably should be, they brought her back to score for these reasons. They, felt a little flat um, from the backcourt uh, from the backcourt predict product productivity in terms of offense last um, series against Chicago in 2021. And that's kind of why they brought Courtney back. Like she um, what she did in 2019 and being able to to make those tough shots, being able to be so quick and move so quickly and um, really get a quick basket when they need it. Like they've desperately needed that. And, you know, Natisha has shown flashes of, of being able to get quick shots um, Odyssey and Odyssey Sims and Dijoné Carrington off the bench have been pretty impressive in the last couple games as well as kind of providing a quick spark, not only on offense, but especially on, on the defensive end. So they're kind of forming into their own two-way players who have been really important to this backcourt as well. Um, but Courtney needs, to, Courtney needs to start making shots. That's what she was brought in here to do. You know, she has a really unique game and, you know, she doesn't necessarily need to force so many three-pointers. They have a really good three-point shooter in Natisha, who's able to do that. Dewana, John Quell are both able to hit three-pointers. They don't necessarily need Courtney to go out there and force threes because that's not her strong suit. They need her to kind of be like play in rhythm and she's a rhythm shooter you know and I think at times throughout the playoffs she's kind of hesitated a little bit. You could kind of see her hold on to the ball a little bit and I don't know if it's um, you know kind of a confidence thing of waiting to kind of shaken out of this kind of shooting slump, but you could kind of see her hesitate with the ball kind of take a couple second lapses when usually, you know, it's step, step, and then she pulls up and that's what she's so good at. And, um, especially having a mid court shooter, like, or mid range shooter, like that's something Kurt really, really values in Courtney. So she can still contribute in other ways. Like she's great at rebounding. She, you know, can contribute on assists and whatnot. Um, but they really need her to, to step up, especially if they're going to beat Chicago, like Natisha uh, and Courtney and Odyssey in the backcourt. They did a really good job of defending um, Chicago's dangerous backcourt in game one. But, you know, Courtney Vandersloot and, and Allie Quigley are some of the smartest and most experienced backcourt players in the league. Like, it's going to be hard to, to lock them down multiple times in a row. Chicago hardly loses two games in a row. Um, So they're really going to need someone to to step up, you know, and and not to put that all on Courtney, you know, Dijanae has been big from the bench. Odyssey's been big from the bench. Um, Natisha has had some really good flashes at times and and might have have struggled with some consistency. So everyone's really need to to come out and kind of be on their best for, for these next couple of games.
0: Yeah, and coming up next, we touch base on the other semifinal game where Las Vegas topped the Seattle Storm in Game 2. So I know you were busy last night watching the Connecticut game and then in post-game. How much of the other semifinal matchup
1: were you able to watch? So I honestly wasn't able to watch too much of it. I missed the entire first quarter or first half um and then missed I think I tuned in mostly for for the fourth quarter but it was also like past midnight (laughs) the post game was super long so I kind of um you know was kind of waking up and falling asleep within it but I definitely saw the ends
0: yeah and I'm sure you saw the historic night from Asia Wilson um Per Across the Timeline, uh, Asia Wilson is was the fifth player last night uh, in WNBA history, um, or WNBA postseason history, with 30-plus points, 12-plus rebounds, and 3-plus blocks. Um, and only she and Lisa Leslie were able to do so while shooting 65% or better from the field. Uh, that was obviously you saw in Game 1, but she only scored 8 points in Game one mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I actually. Um, so Sunday, I was.
0: I'm not sure if we lost Jacqueline, um, but in addition to Asia Wilson's um, historic night. Uh, Brianna Stewart also um, had another 30-plus point game, um, and it was the only WNBA game of any type, regular season or postseason, with two players each recording 30-plus points, 7-plus rebounds, and three blocks. So I'm not sure how much of that you were able to catch, um, but it was definitely uh, a battle between the two top MVP candidates.
1: Yeah. Sorry, Natalie. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Yes. Oh, sorry. Um, yes, I was definitely able to catch some of it. Not a lot of it. Um, I was going to say I got to I was on a plane um, pretty much all of Sunday in the airport. So I got to watch game one um, at an airport bar, which was very cool because got to um, attract a lot of people who were kind of walking by. And um, it was cool to see people who were walking by and then kind of stop and, and take in the game. Um so, yeah, I, as far as game two, I think just every time I watch these teams, I'm just so attracted to like what Chelsea Gray does and yes. how dominant she is along with Asia and Stewie. Like, you know, I feel like, it. you know, it's not just a battle of, of Asia versus Stewie, but it's crazy how the Aces also have someone like Chelsea Gray, who just seems like. Unstoppable. I think during the broadcast last night, they said something about at one point she was like 14 for 19 from three. Um, all like all of playoffs this year, which was <laughs> just seems like a crazy stat. Um, and then Asia Wilson also hitting threes. I saw that.
0: Yes. Yeah. Asia was one for two from three. Chelsea Gray was three of five. Um, Gray had 19 points seven rebounds, seven assists, um, and a steal and a block. Um, you know, watching her, um, our, uh, Isabel Rodriguez has joked that, um, when Megan Gustafson, uh, kind of unleashed Chelsea Gray back in the, I believe it was the first game, um, in the first round of Vegas versus the Phoenix Mercury. Um, because what Chelsea Gray has been doing in the playoffs, um, the, efficiency, the efficiency is just incredible. Uh, she was 8 of 13 last night um, in almost 38 minutes, uh, So, and she's been doing that all playoffs long. And then another point uh, that came up from Isabel Rodriguez was, The differences in calm uh, in Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart, they weren't able to pull out the game. um, But Brianna Stewart is what Isabel described as just calm and doing things because she can, especially at the end of games. Um, You saw her hit a couple of threes um, in addition to missing some threes in the second half. Um, And Isabel described Sue Bird as kind of a scary calm. um, And you again saw that in the fourth quarter, uh, kind of super doing what super does at the end of
1: playoff games, uh, as she has in years past. Yeah, absolutely. They, <laughs> both of them are just like, so locked in, but I think you were right about like Stewie just having that like presence also that kind of like when the ball's in her hand, you can also kind of feel the calmness from everyone else on her team. Um,
0: And we have at least two games, uh, from each of these semifinal matchups left to go. Um, they both head to the lower seated. So, uh, Connecticut and Chicago will be back in Connecticut, uh, Sunday and Tuesday. And then they, uh, Aces and Storm will be back in Seattle for Sunday and Tuesday as well. Um. But before we go, Jacqueline, where can the people
1: uh, find your work and your social media? Yeah, well of course my work's on thenexthoops.com as long along with everyone else um, on the next who's been so great, especially this postseason um with, with playoff coverage. Um, and then, yeah. As far as social, you can find me on Twitter at Jack D. Leb. It's J A C Q D L E B. Um, I'll be on site Sunday for the game in um, Uncasville at, at Mohegan Sun Arena. It'll definitely be a huge game. Um, I think it'll be very interesting just to see who comes out, kind of taking the the first punch. Um, you know, Connecticut feels. I know they said they feel good with having two games um, in in Mohegan Sun Arena. You know, having to take those two opportunities there. Um, but like I said, Chicago doesn't lose two games in a row. So I feel like this Sunday, ga- Sunday game um, one of the Connecticut series is definitely, probably feels a little bit heavier. Um, prob- I hope there's probably more of an urgency to, to win Sunday and, um, instead of letting Chicago take it. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm sure we'll have something else that'll, that'll come out of this series. It's been such a good series to start with anyway. So, yeah.
0: I am excited to see what you write uh, out of the two games in Connecticut. Uh, So thank you again uh, for joining me, and thank you to our viewers and listeners for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. Now, for your second listen, go check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022. It's an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. Not only will you hear from the local team experts, on the Locked On Podcast Network, um, as well as a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets. You'll be able to search for the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out the rest of the Locked On family of podcasts as well. Uh, Thank you again, Jacqueline, and until next time.